Hi guys, Alana Terry here. This is super exciting. This is our first interview episode and I am here with Brian Meeks who really is just a great asset to the indie author community and has recently uh, released a book about your Amazon description. So we'll be talking about that and I'm sure lots of other things like uh, probably guinea pigs and we may mention, I may mention a guinea pig because <laughs> I love so welcome, Brian. I found you, let's see, I heard you on a self-publishing podcast interview a couple years ago. Sure, and you had Sean, just, yep, Terry. Yep, and you had just released your book on Amazon ads. And so you kind of helped me get my toes wet. I started with Amazon ads and then dove into Facebook ads. Um, been in a couple of your Facebook groups now and yeah, so really fun to talk face to face. We said hi for a few minutes in Vegas last year. Yes, it's, it's awesome. are you are you planning to attend twenty books? Absolutely, Vegas? yeah, yep. Excellent. Yeah, very excited about that. Well, and you live there now, right? And isn't that because of it? Basically, because the conference. Yes, I was at the conference two years ago as a speaker, staying at the Aria, and when the conference was done, I went next door to Beer Towers found a card for a realtor, and a few days later, signed a lease, and have been here ever since. I actually live in the same building. Michael Andale is four floors above me. Oh, and I don't think I even knew that he lived in Las Vegas. How fun. Yeah, it's, it is, and I, I didn't plan that. We just, uh, I, I went to see the, the unit, and he was in the lobby. Oh, wow, you lived there. So, <laughs> uh, that, that's kind of nice, but I, I absolutely love Las Vegas. I like the sunshine, and what I realized a few months ago is when you're walking down the street, because I walk a lot, I'm mm-hmm. a yep. everyone you see is happy because everyone, I mean, I live on the strip, and so everyone here is from someplace else. They're on vacation, it's warm and sunny, they maybe even drinking a little, but they're all in a good mood. And it's pretty amazing living in an environment where everybody is happy. It's, I don't know if there's any places, other places in the world like that. I've traveled a bit, Paris, New York, and so forth, and it's just different. So I, I'm a big fan of Las Vegas, and if your listeners are thinking about coming to a conference here, I say do it. It's a good time. Yeah, it was great. You know, so I'm in Alaska where our claim to fame is both – the most coffee stands per capita, as well as the most ice cream consumption per capita, at least in the, out of the 50 states, which is weird because half the year it's too cold to want ice cream. I don't know what's up with that. That is interesting. I, I've been to Alaska once on on a cruise. Oh, fine. It it was fun. I think Alaska is amazing. So what, what part of Alaska are you in? Well, right. We've been a little bit all over. Um, So we've done rural, we've done Anchorage, we've done suburb. (laughs) So we've been here, what, like 14, almost 14 years now, which is pretty crazy. So definitely, definitely feels like home. Wouldn't want to live anywhere else. Well, I I grew up in Iowa. So well, our weather isn't as chilly as yours. Mm -hmm. We typically will have a week or so in January or early February where it's minus 10 to minus 20 for a week and so oh, yeah, that's cold it, it, it is it is very cold uh you know lots of snow like it, that and there isn't any of that in las vegas we, right. <laughs> uh, we, we, we don't get a lot of a lot of snow or 
and so this warm and sunshine but you know what home is is where you're at and yeah I, I can imagine living in, in Alaska for a year to try it out but oh for sure yeah the, the beauty of what we do is that it can be done anywhere and so mm -hmm. I'd also like to live a year in Thailand a year in New Zealand maybe Vietnam Russia uh -huh. just all over yeah that's I, I'm kind of a Adventurous. Kind of yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, I want to dive in and talk about your book. Um, is it Mastering Amazon Descriptions? Is that yes, that, that okay. Mastering Amazon Descriptions. Exactly. Okay. So highly recommended, first of all, and love all the humor in it. I think that that's really Thanks. what, yeah, what makes your books kind of stand out in this zone. Um, and, you know, it's funny because you were known for years as the go-to guy for Amazon ads. You were definitely my go-to guy, you know, with your book and then your course and all of that. But what I've heard from a lot of people, even before you wrote this description book, was, yeah, Brian Meeks is great, but what I got out of his courses and his books the most was his help with copywriting. Um, was that intentional? Did you just kind of fall into that? Well, it was intentional because the success I've had with Amazon ads that success is directly linked to the success I've had with the copywriting. And you can't really have one without the other because a typical description, and I had you know, all my fiction books were a typical, a synopsis, mm -hmm. and they would convert it around one in 30. Mm -hmm. When I started down the path of copywriting, Instantly, my conversions fell to 1 in 10, 1 in 12. And when you're paying for every single click, you don't need a background in mathematics to know right. that you'd rather pay for 10 or 12 clicks to get a new reader than pay for 30. And so right. that, that was a light bulb moment for me. Because when I started Amazon ads, there weren't that many people doing it. But I was getting mm -hmm. five cent clicks. Right. The days of five cent clicks are gone. Mm -hmm. And so... As it got more competitive, I needed to dig deeper, and I simply, well, the catalyst was I had a book that for 60 days, I didn't launch it. The only thing that wasn't done was the description. Yeah. It was, it was just that blank box staring me in the face. The ISBN was registered. Mm -hmm. All the other things filled out. The book was done, edited, cover art, uploaded. And every day for 60 days, I woke up and said, okay, I need to do the description, but maybe I should clean the bathroom or something. It, it's amazing <laughs> how much cleaning I get done when there's, when there's an annoying thing. And I just didn't like them. I didn't understand how to do a good description. It, 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 I was bad at it. And finally, on day 60, I wrote a terrible description and hit publish. Right. I finally my was And it was a huge sense of relief. And the moment after that relief, the little voice in my head said, are you kidding me? It took you 60 <laughs> days. And I only spent five minutes on it. Mm -hmm. It took you 60 days to do that five minutes. And <laughs> you mentioned the self-publishing podcast. You know, Dave, Johnny, and Sean. Sean, before he was a fiction writer, well, I had fiction and nonfiction, he was, well, presumably still is, a world-class copywriter. Mm -hmm. And so 
I had a friend who was a copywriter. Why not ask for help? So I sent him an email and said, Sean, can I get a recommendation on a book? I need to learn this copywriting stuff because I just wasted 60 days being terrified of it. So he, he suggested the Joseph Sugarman book, Ad Week, which I mentioned in my book. Yeah. And I talk about hooks and I give all the credit to Sugarman because I learned about the power of hooks through Sugarman. And that's what changed, changed things for me. And so I got my descriptions down to one in 10 to one in 12. The thing that's interesting about copywriting is one continues to improve. And I'm now right. kind of going through and doing my next generation of rewriting my descriptions. Mm-hmm. And they're getting better because I'm getting better. So, right. Can we rewind just a touch? Can you give absolutely. a super, super quick definition of conversion and why that's an yes. important number? Absolutely. A conversion is simply getting a new reader. So I want your listeners to imagine you're paying for clicks. And it, it doesn't matter if we're talking about Amazon clicks. That's what I use. But it could mm-hmm. be Facebook clicks. It could be Instagram clicks. It could just be over a period of time organic clicks, meaning people right. finding your book. Mm-hmm. Every time a person clicks, they go to your description. At that point, you're trying to convert them into a reader by getting them to either buy your book or if they're a KU subscriber, download your book. Because either one of those turns into revenue. Mm-hmm. And so when we talk about conversion, that's an important thing that I, I see far too many people Think of conversions as sales. And in this day and age, with so many people being avid readers and subscribing to KU, just like, or Kendall Limited, just like people do Netflix, mm-hmm. there are more authors that are, or readers that are finding new authors through Kendall Limited. So can't discount the importance of those downloads if you're, if you're exclusive to Amazon. If not, mm-hmm. then it is just sales. But that's what a conversion is. So when I say, when I use the word conversion, I don't want people to hear sales because right now every, at least for my books, every 10 new readers I get, just under seven of them are like 68, 70% of the new readers are in KU. So the the sales are becoming, you know, a year and a half ago, it was 50%. Half of your mm-hmm. new readers would be sales, half would be through KU, and that is shifting more to KU. So that's an important thing for people to keep in mind when they're making business decisions. Too much per click, and your conversion rate is too high, even with read-through, you may be losing money. If you're paying 10 cents per click, and it takes 35 clicks to get that $3.50, that's your break-even point. Right. Mm-hmm. So if that $0.10 cents goes to $0.20, cents, now you have to get that new reader in 17 and a half clicks because mm-hmm. it's double. Right. Well, if you have a second book and because of the read-through, you're getting additional revenue of $2, well, now you're working with $5.50. And so... All of that factors in to try to determine, are you making a profit? Because it can be hard with the reporting from AMS ads 
Mm -hmm. slow. We uh, we reading pages, the page numbers. If right. somebody buys your book today, or I'm sorry, doesn't buy download. it, they download, yeah. download it. Mm -hmm. They may not finish it today. Some right. some readers will, but most people read a book over several days or several weeks. Some people take months to finish a book because of the business. So all of this kind of factors in and we can't take shortcuts when we're trying to analyze and understand our business because it's, 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 it's our livelihood. Or well, right. for some of us, it's our livelihood. For others, it's maybe part-time business, but they mm -hmm. still want it to do well. You so, still need to, uh, yeah, at the very least uh, recoup your expenses. <laughs> yeah, and well, and, and that's another thing. A person reached out to me the other day, must have been a few weeks, but she was talking about recouping expenses and she was worried because her launch had been out a couple months and she she hadn't recouped them yet. And we talked through her numbers. I said, wow, you, well, in two months, you're, you've recouped 80% and you get to sell this book for the rest of your life. Right. So, Mindset's an important thing as well because there really isn't a shot clock on on our business. My that's a good satire, point. I sat out Everwood Scotch and Rye had its best week or ten days. For ten days, it was ranked overall between five hundred and twentieth and nine hundred and eighth. It stayed in there mostly. It was in the five hundreds for ten days, all because of this a massive perfect storm of advertising. Right. And that 10 days was two years after its release. Mm -hmm. So, well, we all like to focus on having a big release. It's important to understand that your book can have success at any time. So I got a little topic there, but, but I yeah. No, I think that's a great reminder. And I think the Amazon ads really are a good way to boost life into books. Like I've, I've had a couple series and some, you know, no surprise do way, way, way better than others. And, you know, if, if people are in that case, I think it's very much worth trying to run ads to some of those other, other books, you know, obviously run them to the books that are selling well, because you already know those work, but it can also be a good way Instead of just, oh, I launched it to my email list and 50 people bought and then nobody else ever, <laughs> you know, see if, you know, even just running a small budget ad kind of indefinitely. Uh, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's absolutely true because it may not be that the first assumption authors make, because I, I find authors, not me. Because you're perfect. I, I, well, no, no. I mean, I, <laughs> I can, most authors beat themselves up. I... Don't see any value in that. I, I'm right. very much the uh, the coffee cup is half full, and uh -huh. even more so, the coffee cup can be refilled. I, I'm, I'm an author, <laughs> but I, I talk to a lot of authors who beat themselves up, and and if they take a moment to step back, like the case right. with a woman who hadn't recouped her, her mm -hmm. expenses mm -hmm. in 60 days, well, you'll recoup it in the next 20 years. The same right. is true with what you just brought up in that. The assumption, oh, it sold 50 books. That must suck. Mm -hmm. Maybe there are only 50 people that really heard about it. It, right. may, it may not be that it's a bad book. It may just be that it hasn't been discovered. And so I try to encourage people not to jump to the conclusion that it's their book. Now, it could be their description. Maybe mm -hmm. people are finding it and it's not converting. That I couldn't say. But always important to consider other things beyond just 
I suck, which right. is the default for, for too many people. And again, like I said, I, I don't do that because it's a bad business decision to beat yourself up. Mm-hmm. I, I don't feel it helps. Sure, it hurts when you get a one-star review. Mastering Amazon Descriptions got a review from a woman who didn't even buy the book. She okay. just didn't like the price. And so she wrote a statement <laughs> review saying that I was uh, gouge, gouging <laughs> authors. Gouging okay. authors is what she said. And so, yeah. you know, it was a bummer, but I had to move on because it's too much work. Yeah. So. Well, you know, that reminds me of your Mastering Amazon Descriptions book because it is all about the best ways to write descriptions. You do have tons of examples, which were really fun to read through, but you have these stories in between just all about perseverance and, you know, just little pep talks for authors. I really liked yeah. that side of it. Well, I, I did that for two reasons. One is that the book is about copyright, the art of copyright. It's called Mastering Amazon Descriptions because of branding. I have Mastering right. ads, the covers work well together. But the realities are, I mean, it, it applies whether you're selling something on Amazon, on Barnes & Noble, on Etsy. You could be making a quilt with guinea right. pigs on it and selling it on Etsy. And the art of the copywriting is still valid. And so mm-hmm. in the 20 books to 50K group, which a lot of people, I'm sure your readers have heard of, mm-hmm. I will periodically, about twice a month, write a post. And it will be something that, where I'm just inspired to, to give a pep talk, like you said. Right, and right. when I used to do that, before I started thinking in terms of using copywriting in my motivational post, I would get, oh, 50 people would like what I was writing. And these were normal posts with, five, six, seven lines in a chapter, or not in a chapter, in a paragraph. Right. Everybody does it. Mm -hmm. When I started using copywriting, it immediately jumped to 500 to 750 people would like or love the post, and two to 300 people would comment. Mm -hmm. And this was from 50 people liking and loving it and 10 comments. So it was going up by greater than tenfold. Right. And still the same kind of, you know, inspiring pep talk. It wasn't like you changed your message. You just, the, the message the package. was the same. Yeah. I, oh, yes. And that's the important thing. The mm-hmm. message was the same. It was the way I delivered it. It kept the reader hooked. And I talk about that in the book. And the reason I put those pep talks into interspersive throughout the book is because it was valuable stuff for authors to read. But more importantly, it was, they were great examples of copyright. And in, in one of the chapters, I actually have unrelated to the book business, an author friend of mine, we I rewrote her dating profile for a, a Oh yeah, I, I remember reading about this one, yep. And, and it was and it was just a fun little link. But the point is if one of your listeners decides to undertake copywriting, and hopefully all of them will, mm-hmm. whether it's my book or reading Sugarman's book or or just paying attention just to investing. all the copywriting, just investing the time, mm-hmm. they should use it in everything except their prose. Uh, prose is <laughs> We don't want to do that. But on their Facebook post, because that's how you get good at the art of copywriting is doing it all the time. And mm-hmm. so that's what I encourage. And that's why I put those 
in, in the book because I wanted to have examples of how one could use this skill of teaching in everyday life, which then leads to getting better at it. You go back, you redo your description again, get more sales, and ultimately uh, rule the world. Yep, exactly. That's the that's the end goal, right? Yeah. <laughs> so let's um, before we wrap up, I would just love to leave people with a couple real practical. So let's assume that people listening have books on Amazon that they were kind of like you, where they just okay, this needs a description. Let me throw something up. What would you say are, you know, maybe two or three things that kind of the newbie mistakes that people can be yes. looking out for and quick, quick fixes for those? Perfect. I can do that. Great. The first newbie mistake is, and, and this is a hard thing to get over, but we've just written a book. It's our first book. We love it. Maybe we have children. We don't love the children as much as we love our new book. That's how awesome it is because we sweat put all the sweat into it, it's done, and we think it's wonderful, and we want to talk about how beautiful it is. Mm -hmm. And so the newbie mistake is they write a synopsis in one giant paragraph or maybe two that covers all the plot points. And they're kind of ruining the story, but also they're ruining the mystery of what this person who is reading the description is looking for because we read to go on an adventure, or if it's nonfiction, maybe it's to learn something, but it's still, even learning, that's still an adventure. It's still exciting to learn how to do something new and, and set up this new group and, and do this thing that you're passionate about. Mm -hmm. And so the newbie mistake is giving away everything. Don't write a synopsis that tells the person what's in the book, because then they don't need to buy it. Instead, put hints and hooks that will suggest what might be in the book. Mm -hmm. And with that, you get a person down to the end of the description and they're going to want the book. And so that is the biggest mistake people make. My latest description, Henry Wood Detective Agency, the latest version for it, doesn't even mention the story. It's, right. just, it's just a tiny little vignette into the character. And mm -hmm. it converts at one and eight. It's my best description. So yeah, I found the same mistake. thing. Yeah, I found the same thing with Facebook ads. I tested two ads for a new suspense novel I had out, uh -huh. and they both had the same hook. And then one of them focused on, you know, this is a story about a person, and it was exciting. You know, like I built it up. It is a suspenseful sure. story. You know, single mom guy, bad guy from the past comes up. Her kids uh -huh. threatened. Um, so I ran that one against one with the exact same hook. And then it just talked about, you know, you're not going to be able to put this book down. There's, oh. you know, danger. The second, the second, the second one, one, one it yeah. won by, yeah, significantly. Yeah. That, that, that's, that is the best message from this podcast. Yeah. You don't need it, to focus on the story. You don't need to focus on the story. And what's more, the secret message from your story, and you get double points for this, is that you test it because mm -hmm. that, that, that's, where, that's, that's where you get the belief to actually move forward and trust that, oh, this description stuff works, is testing. There's one in the book where we did the description and then and, and it, it had a slight improvement, so slight mm -hmm. that I would have almost called it 
could have been variants. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. One in 30, and I think it went to one in 27, which is yeah. better, but not enough that I was happy. And we had a conversation, and I, I spoke to the author and said, how important is organ harvesting to the story? Because the description in all organ harvest. Right, I remember and, seeing that example. And I told him, I said, you know what? It creeps me out. I don't even like reading that description, but that's what you gave me. And so I worked with it. And he said, oh, it's about 20% of the story. I said, you know what? Let's take out all the organ harvesting stuff mm -hmm. because it's creepy and there's other things mm -hmm. we can focus on. So right. just because you learn proper copywriting doesn't mean that you're going to hit on exactly what works the first mm -hmm. time out. So doing what you did and testing will get you better results. And that then leads to better profits for the rest of your career. So right, right. good suggestion. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any other last minute, you know, going back to sort of the newbie mistakes to look yes. out? Well, I, I wouldn't say the, every description in my opinion should start with a hook mm -hmm. and the hook should be short. The reason it should be short is our attention spans are so fractured from Facebook and all that, that we can't read a lot. I mean, we can read, is that we don't. We want to know, is there a reason to go from the first line to the next line? And we want to know instantly. So mm -hmm. keep your first line. I, I like to keep them under six words. If I've got a really great book that's 11 words, I may break it into two lines and improperly use ellipses, one right. at the end and one mm -hmm. at the beginning, mm -hmm. because... It makes you want to read more. <laughs> it makes you want to read more. Yeah. And so that... That will help get a person into the description and make make you better at it. So right. I, I do I know it's salesy, but I really think Mastering Amazon Description is a good book and people can learn a lot from it that will help them with not just their descriptions, but interacting with their fans on their author page. Mm -hmm. Or your emails, that's another one for sure. Emails, newsletters, if you if a person reads your entire newsletter and gets to the end because you used proper copywriting, that's a positive. And it means they are more likely to open your next newsletter you send them. And if you can train them that every time Brian sends me an email, it's going to have good stuff in it. Mm -hmm. Then when you have launches, you're, you're going to get more of them opened up and you're going to get more clicks. And that leads to better sales, which helps your organic which helps the ranking, which helps your organic. So they all play together. Yeah. Yeah. So you already plugged the book and I did at the beginning, the mastering Amazon descriptions. I also yeah. want to give a plug for your course. Um, and you'll have to tell me the name, but I know some of these, you had a really neat module where you applied some of these principles to your back matter. And yes. yeah, I saw that, that. huge, huge results from that. It went from about 30% who read book one, went to buy book two, to over 40% now. And, and, and that, that's a big deal because mm -hmm. every point you gain in read-through is because the read-through for most authors from books two to three is over 90%. Yeah, yeah. Once you get into it a little bit, but yeah, especially that between book one and two, that's a huge... Yeah, and so every point that you get is, is if you've got a six-book series and you go mm -hmm. from 30 to 31%. Well, that extra person isn't just buying one more book. They're buying five more the books. Rest of the and so yeah. each point is a big deal. And 
Yes, it, my class is, it's on teachable.com and it's Meeks Master Classes. That class is, it, it's, it's called Mastering Amazon Ads. Ironically though, we don't spend a ton of time on the nuts and bolts of Amazon ads because right. my expectation is that anybody that's interested in the course has already read Mastering Amazon ads, my book, mm-hmm. and they spent time in my group. They understand right. how to set up ads. I create, I actually created three modules on the how to set up and never use them because I didn't want brand new people jumping into the course. It's more mm-hmm. postgraduate work. No, and, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, and, and the so, dashboard changes all the time anyway. You and, the pain well, I, it. <laughs> that's true. And so I, what I focused on were three things. One, copywriting. Mm-hmm. Two, copywriting as it applies to back matter, which, yeah, which I love. Yeah. You, uh, the, the third one is analysis because like you did with your Facebook test, if you can analyze your data and even and, and math folks out there, I know they, they, they cringe at this, but once you learn how to do it, that's what separates the masses from the people that are making a full time uh, living at home. Well, not in all cases. Some people just write lots of books and they don't do any analysis. I mean, there's more, more than one way up the mountain, like Craig Martell always mm-hmm, says. Mm-hmm. You can do it different ways, but one of the ways is by understanding your data. And it's, it's a one-time sort of sunk learning cost. Once you mm-hmm. understand what is my read through, once you've done the math on your conversion rate, these things don't really change that much over time. And so once you have those numbers in your mind, mm-hmm. seeing the big picture becomes much easier and it will help with all your future decisions, whether it's, how long should I make my books for my next series? Right. Uh, what should my price point be? If I raise my price, am I more profitable or less profitable? And all of these things can be learned doing a bit of analysis. So that's the Meets Masterclass. Uh, the question I most commonly get is, can people reach out to me if they're needing help? And yes, absolutely. I get uh, people on Facebook, Almost every single day with questions, and I'm happy to help. So if you're interested yeah. in my course, that would be lovely. Reach out to me on Facebook. All right. So thank you so much. It's always really fun to to sit and chat, and I appreciate you taking the time. And yeah, that definitely recommend pleasure. yeah people check out the Mastering Amazon descriptions and the Meeks Masterclass on Teachable. Thank you. So, thanks again. Yeah. Bye bye.